You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Another quick one for you. I continue the bonus podcast draft series with former Washington corner Fred Smoot with his draft day memories. How often he had dreamed of the moment. A few funny comments about being picked one round after receiver Rod Gardner and his glorious one rep on the bench press at the scouting combine. Plus, I talk with former NFL scout Tyler Roman, who has the Roman Around the League podcast. Give it a listen. Roman is really good at identifying late round gems, so that's what we discuss. Quick podcast, folks. Before I get to my guest, a couple things. The draft process is one of continually learning who a team likes or who you think a team likes. The other day, I told you that Landon Collins, the linebacker, is definitely still on the table. I thought that would take them out of the Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I say, hate to say sweepstakes. I don't think they're sweepstakes, but out of the, out of the um, desire to take him. But it does not. The thinking goes, you get good players. And I think there are players after the first round who can fill the versatile role of a Mike linebacker if they want to find one. And I know that that is something that's on their list. I think a guy like Pete Werner offers some of what they like. A guy who's versatile, he can play the Mike, he can play the Will. Um, and he improved every year. He can cover, he can play, you know, the run. So I think that's a guy maybe to watch after the first round. And there are a few other guys as well. But I do think that Koromoa is a guy in the first round that I took him off the list based on deductive reasoning, and I don't think I was right to do so. Um, if they did take a guy like Koromoa, they would they can use Collins as a big nickel, or if he is better at strong safety than Cam Curl, you put him there, and then you put Curl at the big nickel. But the bottom line is you have those three would be on the field in their nickel package. And I think the big thing, again, with Collins – convince that what they what they're going to have to do is convince him that the role is indeed similar to what he's been doing especially in those nickel packages so anyways just something just something for you there there was a lot of talk about if earlier this process about would they trade up into the top 10 for a quarterback i'd be real surprised if that quarterback was trey lance i do think that justin fields fits more of what they like i also don't think they feel desperate at all to get the quarterback I know there are a couple of guys they like after the first round, but at a certain point, you're drafting what you kind of already have. And so it better be somebody that you're going to take who in a year could be something special for you. Otherwise, they will see what they have on their roster. So we'll see. Again, I don't know that they're going to trade up for a guy. I'm just saying if a guy fell to them or whatever um, in the first round. But I think if you're going after the first round, there's really a limit as to how many guys you'd look at because how many guys are really going to have a chance to develop and do something better than what you already have. Anyway, for as much as they need more on offense, it feels like where they're picking at 19, it might be that the best spot to pick is defense. And there are enough guys who they like, though, that would be available in the late first or early second. So I can absolutely see them trading back and doing what I think would be smart, accumulating assets 
for the top three rounds in 2022. You need a trade partner, and I do believe more than a few teams will want to pick up assets for next year simply because the anticipated talent pool could push some guys into the third round that would have been first rounders in other years because a lot of guys are going back to school, and so you have fewer guys in this draft pool than you've had in a long time, maybe ever, and you're going to have more guys in that talent pool next year, um, guys who maybe would have been picked high this year. So that's just something to watch. And I do think that there are a lot of guys that they like who would be fits in the later first and into the second round that they could then make those kind of moves. Finally, on Alex Smith, I think what upset some with Washington is not so much the comments by Smith in the latest SI article. If you haven't seen it, go give it a look. A more rehashing of his story from the summer, et cetera, et cetera. But it was the tone and comments of some others. Washington was smart not to really try to refute all that was reported. It becomes a no-win situation for them. And this is a franchise that, while made more likable last season, I think remains one that a lot of people still like to dislike. It does sound like Smith wishes they had communicated more with him from the start of camp. I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't get the sabotage comments from his father. They did give him a chance. I know there were some other teams that probably and may and have told others that they would have cut him. And they did have the blessing, my understanding from owner Dan Snyder, to do so here if that's the direction they had wanted to go. Yes, it would have hurt them on the salary cap, but it would have been spread over two years. So it wouldn't have, it could have been mitigated. And again, I was told that they had Snyder's blessing on that. And while Smith said they were testing him, unlike other players, the response back is, well, yeah. In fact, I remember hearing at the time how the way they were testing him allowed the coaches to feel better about keeping him around. Smith was a great story. There's clearly some level of resentment, and I don't know all that he feels or all. I know there's probably a little bit more there behind the scenes than what, what I know at this point. And I think he was a great story. And on some of that stuff, maybe it's justified. I don't know. I do know that, um, yes, Rivera has admitted he was afraid. And I think maybe if he had told him that from the start of camp, then a lot of the stuff would have been different. I don't know. But I do know that Washington doesn't win the NFC East without him. I also don't know if his story plays out the same way anywhere else. Anyway, moving on. That's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Fred Smoot talking about his draft day memories. Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Kahn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team. Everything you want you want to know, which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. Welcome back. Now here's Fred Smoot. What are your memories from being drafted that draft day? What do you remember? I, uh, it was uh, pain and pleasure at the same time. <laughs> it was uh, a dream come true. Uh, and I was, I was up for defensive player of the year in college. I was slated to go very high in the draft. Uh, matter of fact, the guy that they took before me in Rod Gardner, I had just shut down to zero catches in a bowl game. <laughs> and they took it before me. So... I, I, I knew, you know, whatever was happening, it was happening for the right reason. And the right reason was I was meant to be in the DMV. All right? And however that happened. So I just remember being there with my mom and my grandmama. And I just, 
And I remember saying, ice going to float to the top. And if you look at my draft class when I came out, even though they drafted Rod higher than me, I had a better career. So it was just one of those things where uh, you had to go through things to actually uh, show who you really are. And I think that was the best thing that happened to me because it humbled me from the door, made me work a lot harder. And uh, it was part of the process. And I believe in the process. I love the process. But was it how difficult was it? Because you, you're again, you're a confident guy. So we know yeah. that, you know, you're probably looking at yourself as a first round pick to yeah. not go when that when you feel like you should, you know, while it all worked out well at the time, were you were you pissed off? Were you throwing oh, stuff? Yeah. Were you? Well, no, I was I was beyond pissed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I felt like I had did all the work. You know what I'm saying? And Devontae Smith is going to go through a little of that himself because like him, I was 175 pounds. All right. But like I told him, when I went to the combine, you called my injury report out. I have none. I, I never missed a game. All right? I never missed a game in high school, never missed a game in college. Yeah, I'm 175 pounds. But unlike this dude that's 220, I never missed game. All right. So uh, I, I couldn't wrap my head around everything, but then I said, okay, no matter what happened, all I need is a chance. Right? That's all I need. But then when I got drafted, I got drafted to a team that my idol was on my team and won Deion Sanders. Nice. And then I had Dale Green. Then I had Champ Bailey. So when I first got signed, even though I was elated, I sit back and looked at the depth chart and I was like, <laughs> I might not ever play ever in my life. <laughs> I might not ever so once I got here, Marty made it clear that no, you gonna play. You and Champ, I'm starting the youngsters. That's that's what I'm riding on. That's when I had the confidence to know I now I can play in this league. Was it when you hear your name called? What was that moment like? like what happened? What happens at that moment? It's euphoric, and that's why I think I call draft day the trail of tears because <laughs> these tears are a mixture of pain, a mixture of happiness, a mixture of struggle. A mix of everything, you know. You you wake up dreaming of. I tell people all the time, you wake up dreaming about this twenty years before it happened. Every day of your life, you dream about that day happening. So when that day does happen, it's euphoric, but it's also unbelievable because you don't believe that you you can't believe that you're a part of that one percent. You know what I'm saying? Only one percent mm-hmm. get to get drafted on that day. And out of all the millions of kids that had that dream. You are part of that seven rounds getting called that day. So what do you do to celebrate that? It ain't nothing you can do. Like, it ain't no alcohol you can drink. It it's just one of those things. You are so filled inside that the only thing that comes you down is the fact that they're going to fly you out the next day and you get to walk through that locker room and you get to meet that owner and you get to meet that head coach. And now you realize that it's a dream, but now it's a job. So do you think you would have gone the first round if you did more than one rep on the 225 on the bench press? <laughs> I did one rep on it because that's all I can do. <laughs> think about my injury history compared to guys that did. I know, I know, I know. I so, know. But how much did you how much would you hear about that? I heard about hey, no, I have actually became a combine legend. Like I've heard coaches say that they still tell their story at the combine. And they say, he knew he wasn't going to be able to do but one rep, but he wasn't scared to go do it. Now, he yeah. wasn't scared to go do it. Like, they showed us that nothing's too big for him. Like, he's not scared to fail. He know he might can't do it but one time. He know he can play the game of football. He might not be a, a power lifter. I'm not trying to be a wrestler. I'm trying to play football. And when if you turn the lights on and, and put me in some grass, I'll give you what you ask for. 
And then the last question on this, who called you um, from, from the team? The first person I spoke with was Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, that's my guy, uh, bless his soul. He passed. Uh, Marty was the first guy I talked to. Uh, and you know how gracious he could be. He he started crying before I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I talked to Dan. And then I okay. talked to Dan, and Dan congratulated me. And it started a good relationship with him, you know. And I tell people all the time, uh, Dan is a great guy if you get to know him. The, the problem is he's so quiet and closed off that he won't let people know him. And I tell him all the time, just open up. Like, the great thing about him is he's not afraid to be flawed. And when people think about billionaires, they don't think they, – they, they won't give you a chance to be flawed. And I'm sorry. He's quiet. He's reserved. And he'll only talk to you if he's – comfortable with you and I was always one of the players I talked to Dan like I talked to my left tackle you know what I'm saying like it's, it's no different and that's why he's always been cool with opening up around me and I think if he actually shows people more of his personality more people are falling in love with Dan Snyder the person than they will Dan Snyder the football and I think if they win that would help too so anyways Fred I think we're on the right I think we're on the right course I think Rivera has changed the culture you got to realize, as a football player, if you walk in there now, everybody from the coach, the head coach, to the defensive coordinator, to the janitor play football. Like, it's a football atmosphere. Yeah. And if a coach that went out there and did the same thing that you did, asked you to do something and tell you to do something a certain way, you trust it on a whole nother level. Uh, you trust what he says and how he goes about doing it. And you got to realize, the youth movement over there is what's going to make this special. The best talent is youth, and the youth actually leads. I Chase Young leads by example. I uh, uh, McLaren uh, Terry leads by example. I so at the end of the day, they're going to bond into a team that's going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be a great ten years of football for Washington. And getting a guy, uh, getting a guy like we just got at the free agency. What makes it so good is him, Terry, Chase already played together. They already played yeah. together. So his free agency don't feel like he's going to a whole new place. He feels like he's just coming home. So I think that that works in our favor also. Fred, you're awesome. Always enjoy it. Thanks a lot for coming on. Oh, anytime, Kyle. Anytime, brother. After this break, I'll be back with former NFL scout Tyler Roman. He dropped some late-round names you need to know. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as More or Less, where an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total. You can do the same in baseball, will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc. It's fun, and every Friday it's Home Run Derby, and on three guys who have home runs that night. All three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week you can participate in their Eagle Eye jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now here's Tyler Roman. 
Hi, Tyler. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about some late round possibilities for Washington because I feel like I've spent a couple months talking about the top end of the draft. But having said that, before we get there, I do want to talk about a couple guys that I haven't spent enough time on leading into this point who are possible first round selections. And the first one is the um, tackle Tevin Jenkins, it's offensive lineman, I should say, Tevin Jenkins, because it seems like there's debate where it should go. I don't, I think Christian Derisaw will be gone by the time Washington picks at 19. Just a, just a hunch. So Tevin Jenkins will probably be there. They want a left tackle. I know where he's been projected more, but in your watching him, what do you think of him as a possible left tackle prospect? Yeah, Tevin Jenkins, I, I like him. I think he has a lot of upside. Uh, I'd like him more on the right side. Almost, I actually kind of see where people are saying that he can play guard too. I definitely think he's a mauler. He has a nasty streak to him, really good run blocker. I, the left side, he's okay. I, I also like the, I look at the level of competition in the Big 12. Obviously, you're not going to have great pass rushers coming to the Big 12. It's a conference not known for defense. And he did well, but I'd love to see him against better competition. Maybe we, they see him in the NFL in the preseason, see what he does. Practice, let's say he goes to Washington. They'll know pretty quickly going against Chase Young, Montez Sweat, if he can handle left side. But from what I've seen on tape, I think he's more of a right tackle. Um, I think he'd be a very good right tackle, starter from day one. But um, just the way, again, I think actually I'd see him more of a guard before I take him to left tackle. But like I said, I think right okay. tackle is where you know, Tevin Jenkins, I think it's best suited in the NFL. And that's consistent with everything I've heard or read throughout this process. But you know, if they're trying to get a tackle, he might be the guy sitting there in the first round. I know there are some guys beyond the first round that they do like. Um, okay. So that's why I was curious about him. Then the the other one is TCU safety, Trayvon Merrick. I think, you know, he's another guy that will, you know, they need a free safety. And he'll be sitting there probably at 19. What's your take on him? He's my number one safety in this class. He's a true center fielder type, deep, deep, excuse me, deep middle part of the field. Great range, great ball skills. Had a numerous amount of uh, pass breakups this past year and interceptions. Very good ball instincts, like I said. I've seen him play uh, close to the line as well. He's not afraid to hit you. Uh, but I think he'd be a perfect fit in that back part of the you know defense with Washington, pairing with either Landon Collins or Cam Curl. Either way, I think Merrick, I really think he'd be a nice pick at 19 because they need that. They haven't had a deep you know center fielder type safety in I think everyone knows for years, probably going back to Sean Taylor. So, you know, having a guy like Morag, Marag would be a really, you know, great pick for them. And what what is it like? Because when I when I've watched him, like I mean, he clearly has some pretty good range. Seems to be an aggressive guy coming up against the run. What are some areas you say? Well, I want to. I'd like to see him get better here, here, or here. Well, you know, like I said, I, I like him a lot. So maybe I have a little bit of bias towards him. But I, I think I just like the way. I, I guess I like that he can play against. I, I like that he can play close to the line and deep. You know, deep right. Line. So I, I haven't seen too much. Um, like I said, I, I think he has very good hands for a safety. You know, borderline right. wide receiver skills. So I, I like a lot about his game. Um, yes, he's you know missed some tackles here and there in the open field. And that you know, that comes as playing safety. No one's going to be 100. percent So sure, he can work sure. that tackling ability a little bit. But from what I've seen, the basis of what you're getting in a player like that, they can do a little bit of both. The sky's the limit because he can only get better if he already has the ball skills. He's not afraid to, you know, hit it, you know, stick his nose into it. And in the run game, and like I said, he definitely play a deep center field type. So I think it could be a really good, uh, again, really nice pick for them. And I think then you compare him with a William Jackson, the third at corner and they have, then you got that defensive front that, and, and I still think they'll end up with some more defensive help at some point in this draft, but let's now go to 
some late round gem, or day three gems, I should, I guess I would say. Who are a few guys that stand out there for you? I'm going to start with uh, Virginia Tech safety Divine Diablo. You know, he's 6'3", 226. Some teams are looking at him as a linebacker right now. He played linebacker, excuse me, safety all three years at Tech. He was actually five years of redshirt, but he really played these last three years. He ran a 4-4-6 at his pro day. He had four interceptions last year. He's another guy that played a little strong and free safety for Tech. Being that size, you know, kind of surprising, a 6'3", 225 guy could be able to play the center fielder type role, but he did yeah. that at Tech. He also played good at man coverage. You know, I can see where teams want to move in a linebacker because of that size. He's actually kind of bigger than even first-round prospect Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. But I think he can stay at safety. I saw it the way he was able to play the center fielder type role for Virginia Tech. But also, like I said, he definitely will hit you. He is a hard-hitting player and that back, you know, backfield of the defense. And 180 tackles these last three years. And like I said, four interceptions this past year. So good amount of production there at Tech. Another defensive player is cornerback Mark Gilbert from Duke. He had a tremendous 2017. He had six interceptions that year. Based on that film, he was going to be a top 50 pick. But he has been really plagued by injuries these last couple of years. Like I said, that was back in 2017, and he was you know, a top prospect then. But he's had hip injuries, uh, foot injuries. He's barely played these last couple of years. So you know, rightly, rightfully so, he's dropped down a lot during the draft board. But if they can get him back to full health, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. Just obviously injury bug comes to part of it when evaluating a prospect, but if he can, you know, get past that somehow, Gilbert would be a really nice player. And, and so that's, that's like a, that's a, that's a good, like late, late round pick because he's got yes. a guy with potential if, cause those are, you know, you, you're picking six on round, you're looking at potential as much as anything. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Elijah Mitchell is another one, a running back from Louisiana. He's going to go later, probably, you know, fifth or sixth round. He's a guy that's 5'11", 215. I like that he split time at Louisiana with Trey Regless, um, so he's not going to have as many carries. He had 2,000 yards about combined these past two years, ran a 4'3", at his 40. Good, tough, physical, in-between-a-tackle runner. You know, Washington's looking for another runner like that type, yep. kind of take on that Peyton Barber role, so Mitchell might be somewhat of interest. Um, and then lastly, is wide receiver Sage Surratt. He's going to be probably more the fourth to fifth round range. But, you know, with him, he's another guy that had a great 2019 film. He opted yeah. out in 2020 because of the, you know, because of COVID. Um, I think he's going to get pushed down just because the receiver class is so deep and he hasn't played in a year. So people are going to forget about, you know, what he was able to do in 2019. Big body guy, 6'2", 210. Another guy I think the Washington's going to look for is a big receiver. And Surratt is a guy that, uh, of course, with that size, everyone, he doesn't get the most separation, but he's definitely a back shoulder type of guy. He'll bully you too in his route running he gets open so and he has good hands great after the catch like i said over a thousand yards 11 touchdowns in 2019 so he's a guy that if he you know lasts for a good amount of time on day three he can definitely be a steal and i think those are all areas where washington is going to look to add somebody and those are those are guys too as you know it's like picking late in the draft it's not about filling immediate needs but these Mm -hmm. are all guys that you know they do want to get another big body guy they you know to get find corner help you always looking for corner help because that'll be another position i think they try try to address in during this process so all those guys would fit something that they want and that's why i knew you'd be good to have on tyler tell people where they can can hear your podcast yes i have the uh, roman around the league podcast which is on the empire media company network um you can give me where anywhere you can listen to wherever you get your podcast um, you can follow me on Twitter at NFL Scout 21 and on Instagram at Roman around the league underscore pod. Every week in the uh, pod, I have a mock draft and I'll have one this week. I have one next week. Also with the Washington football team draft preview shoot next week. 
as well. So look for that, folks. And again, always good insight. I like having Tyler on because he provides good insight. And I like that he can provide insight, not just in the top guys, but on those guys later in the draft that oftentimes become steals. And you, it's good to know those names now. So Tyler, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm Byron Kerr, your host for the Curly W Podcast. Join me on the Curly W for the very latest on the Washington Nationals. We'll give you an inside look as to what's happening with the Nats right now and give you also a chance to visit with Nats players and coaches, present and past, to tell you what it's like and what they hope to accomplish with the Nationals. From Fredericksburg to Nats Park, West Palm Beach to Rochester, Wilmington to Harrisburg, it's all Nats baseball. Subscribe to Curly W wherever you get your podcasts. Another great show from Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Fred and Tyler for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll have another podcast out Sunday night, more draft talk. We're almost there, folks. Talk to you next time.